Yo, T-Bone, did you produce this? Sounds good, right? Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Wally, and I'm an audio producer, sound designer, and documentary maker. This is something new that I've wanted to do for a long time now. It's going to be a series of stories, mini documentaries, features, and interviews, all having sound at the heart of them. But of course, we're going to stray far and wide. Sounds good, right? You know, I suffer of massive migraines. And I guess that this is the reason also why my my dreaming are so important. And every time I do the scan, all the sounds turn into music. When I'm, I'm into the scan, I I turn this this musical beat into some sort of uh, dripping experience of colors. And then I, I stay there, it's a sort of meditation. It's uh, you connect with the sound and, uh, and a drop of colors. Okay, my name is Claudia Molinari. I'm co-founder of a studio, a game design studio in Milan, and I'm a creative producer. There are different types of dreams. I was a lucid dreaming where where I was younger. I was so like into lucid dreams. But then I personally got fed up the only part in my life where I do not want to have control is dreams. I want to close my eyes and, and it's like shuffling into a pool of suggestions, a pool of emotions, and my brain is, is making this stuff for me. I was dreaming the day that I said to myself that I wanted to quit lucid dreaming. Like I said, mm, maybe it's not that cool being so in control. I want to wake up and say, God, everything happened in my mind and I didn't control that. I, I just like passively experience that. But when you wake up and you kind of say, oh God, I literally lived all these experience, all these emotions in your mind when you are dreaming is, is reality, is equal to reality. I want to meet people. Of course, they are not real, they are imaginary. I have created them, but sometimes I have people that come back older, than many years ago so I have like a have a pool of characters that grow old with me which is interesting why should I control what they're saying I want them to tell me what they're saying not control them 
First of all, let's frame what a dream is to me. Like imagine I'm a, I'm dreaming about an apple. I could see the apple, but I could also understand that it's an apple because I'm touching the apple. Or I hear someone saying the word apple, but no visual. Or read the word apple somewhere and understanding that the content of the dream is the apple or smell the fragrance and understanding or hear the sound of the apple or uh, this is the weirdest one being the apple sometimes dreams have visual elements but sometimes are completely blank in relation to sounds sounds in my dreams are pretty rare but when I uh, they do show up like two or three times a month they follow a kind of strange logic in my dream world not long ago I had this experience There was a massive storm in Milan with strong winds knocking down trees. It was really scary. In my dream, though, I was just doing regular stuff like working and walking around the house. But everything I did had this exaggerated loud sound. Like, I remember when I was closing my computer, it shouted like a huge slam instead of a soft click. I felt like I had a superpower in my dream of literally producing mossy sound if I was closing something I was closing with a with a smash and and this meant in the dream that for talking I had to shout there are other uh, moments that are more interesting in dreaming one is recalling songs Everybody has an archive of music stored in, in their mind. You're walking and suddenly you hear a sound far away and you remember about that song. I often end up in a dream where the purpose of the dream, the purpose, the scope, the objective is to recall the song. I hear a music At first it's really quiet, then it gets louder as I start to wake up. And then I actually wake up humming. The tricky part is that I don't fully remember the song. So I have to search my memory and try to catch a few words that slip away as I wake up. I remembered a song that, I don't know, it's so old in my mind. It's Goodbye Stranger by Supertrump. It was completely gone. It was not there. I woke up humming and then I was like, I know the song, I know the song. And this is a particular type of dream that often happens. A year ago I had a dream where I was part of a band that created music exclusively underwater. I 
think the most beautiful dream that I had about sound. I grew up by the sea, and the sea in my dreams has a huge meaning. I can simultaneously be myself and the sea at the same time in my dream, which is something that I cannot fully convey, but it's an amazing experience. The music's notes were not represented the way they are represented in reality. They were literally um, bubbles, like oxygen bubbles. To access the note, you have to burst those bubbles, revealing no traditional musical tones, very different from what we hear in the real world. And explaining this, it's a challenge. I don't have words to explain the kind of music I was hearing. The melody was not linear. You were in a whirlpool of bubbles, so you had the full melody right in front of you, but you had to kind of play them like a, I would say, like a xylophone. And the whirlpool maybe could be a metaphor of a sheet music. Thanks to Claudia Molinari for telling me her story. I met Claudia through a show that I produce and sound design called One Cool Thing. It's presented by Hannah Nicklin from indie game studio Deguta Fabrique. Claudia talks more about dreams in her episode and I think you will really like it. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. For more from Claudia, check out the studio she runs. It's called We Are Muesli. split into three different entities, spaces, beings, as it were. I have a couple of friends that have very resonant bass voices. Sometimes they might say something in a particularly resonant way and it reminds me, it takes me right back to that voice, right back there. Also, when I hear wind chimes, always take me back, always. The voice literally said, love is all there is. And then it said again, give love, give love, give love, because Love is all there is. It is there all the time, but like every, you know, I'm, I'm a human, and so it does get clouded over by stuff, but the difference is that I'm never far from it. If it gets sort of clouded over by life and other things, it doesn't take me that long at all to get back into that space. I always know that coming back to my heart space, which is where the love is, is where I'm going to refine that love to be able to function in a more authentic and love-filled way.
I was working as an actor, singer, writer, but I was very disconnected from myself. I did class myself as a spiritual person, but I class myself as like a, a cerebral spiritual person, meaning that I would read lots of books, go to various workshops. I used to go to alternatives in Piccadilly. But I never really felt properly connected and I was clearly on a bit of a journey. And I was working far, far too hard. I didn't prioritise my own needs. So I was a freelancer in the arts world, so I would do shows, I'd compose for shows, I'd be on stage as an actor, I'd devise and write my own shows, funded by Arts Council. You know, I made a show about my grandmother's partition story, which I really wanted to do. It was, it was a dream of mine to make a show, a big show in London that was funded about my grandmother's story to immortalise her story before she passed away. I was disconnected. Although I made work that I was very proud of and passionate about, I didn't feel connected to me. I was always sort of living up here and I basically had a history of glandular fever type illness because of burnout. Twenty eighth of March, twenty seventeen. I was sitting in a restaurant with a friend, and I was crying because I was so unwell. Had been so unwell for sort of, you know, six months prior to that point. And I was sitting in this restaurant with my friend, and, and he was a close friend, and said to me, "Can you not take some time off? You, 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 you you're knackered. You know, you, you just you need to reset and allow your body and your mind, your spirit, to heal." And I said, yeah, I think you're right, through tears. He said, can't you speak to the, the company tomorrow and just say that you need a bit of time? I did actually have a conversation with them, but it wasn't as profound as I thought. I didn't say I want to have a few months off. I just said, look, I've been, been unwell. I need a little bit of time. And they said, yeah, yeah, that's fine, thinking it was like going to be a week or so. I'd arranged to make a curry with my one of my closest friends that night. The end of the day came and I was just thinking, all I was thinking was I can't wait to make our curry and have our girls' night. I just can't wait to do that because we had such fun together. And she loves my cooking. She loved Asian cooking. So I was sort of texting her saying, you know, I'll be home in about half 45 minutes. Then we'll, you know, make them that, the, the curry. So I got home. My phone had lost its battery. I just called her and I said I've got no battery left I just want to I'll go and buy the ingredients but I'm really not feeling well she was just like don't worry I'll, I'll help you chop you know see you back at the flat in like quarter of an hour of course we never made the curry we never had our curry and I never took the time off but I obviously I did in a different way so I really feel like the universe was sort of saying this is our way to save your life because if we don't you're going to push and push and literally be dead I was heading that way. I really was heading that way. I could see it. I was getting more and more and more sick every time I pushed. I was really seriously ill.
So I'd gone to the shop, I put my ingredients in the basket, and as I went to pay, there was a massive queue extending outside the shop. And I was like, what's what's going on? Like, there was no... We lived in a Jewish area. There was no Jewish festival. It wasn't Diwali. There was nothing to suggest there was going to be an enormous queue. So I was just like, well, my friend knows I've been ill. She's going to be probably waiting at my door buzzing, thinking I've collapsed on the floor. That's all I was thinking. My head was always in other people, thinking about what they were going to think and feel and all the rest of it, you know, which was part of the problem. I just said to the cashiers who knew me and her well, I said, I'm just going to go, going to go and sort of let her know that I'm safe like, by waving at her and sort of signalling that I'm in the shop. She'll be fine. I'll pay for the ingredients and then go home and all be well. There was a, a bus stop obscuring the view up the road, but I didn't think anything of it because it was six in the evening. I could see through the panel. So I walked towards the edge of the pavement, looked through the bus stop couldn't see her, walked a little bit further towards the edge, still couldn't see her, walked further still, putting my arm in the air, thinking I had a purple jumper on. I just thought, well, she can't miss me, but she's sort of coming towards me. So I just thought I'd do that in case she could see me. And my toes were just ever so slightly towards the edge of the goal, over the edge of the pavement, ever so slightly. A bus then swerved in that I hadn't seen or heard uh, previously, caught like the seam like the stitching seam of my boot but it was enough to drag it under and then of course I watched my lower leg and foot be dragged under the wheel of the bus and I was on the floor with my leg twisted and contorted I couldn't see below my knee because it was I I could actually I was watching the 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 wheel travel up my leg because I was being dragged under literally and I remember thinking if the wheel goes any further into my torso that's me gone and all I thought was Have I done enough good in this life? Hope I have. I split into three different entities, spaces, beings, as it were. The first reality was that I was obviously under the bus. The second one was I literally still felt my two feet on the floor my wallet and keys in one hand and my other hand in the air waving at my friend. I literally felt it. And the third one was that I was starting to float up and have a near-death experience. And that was the one that then took hold for many, many moments afterwards. So I was floating up, floating up, and I could see higher and higher, the top of the red bus, me underneath the bus and because at that point I was pure consciousness energy I looked at myself I looked at the horror I looked at the commotion happening all around me but I felt no emotion there was nothing it was just simply oh (laughs) just sort of was and the higher I floated the more I felt the physical world sort of fall away and the wider my wingspan got. I felt like I was extending so wide and then became almost sort of boundaryless. So I, I never knew where I stopped. I was just this ball of energy, this consciousness, this this light. It was it was it was stunning. 
the feeling was in, in me it was it was the sense of love and profound peace and profound joy and I remember as I was floating up I could hear everybody's thoughts the world's thoughts London's thoughts and it was like this sort of cacophony of, of like this orchestra of thoughts like this because it was so fast and there were so many thoughts I couldn't quite make out what they were because all I could just I, I, I felt like I was everyone and everything hence tuning into everybody's thoughts and it was such a wide sort of wide wide sound you know it felt like I was this being this sort of consciousness energy light but I was also everybody's thoughts and everybody's feelings and emotions in that space and then I floated up more and more and more and the sound then going from very wide then narrowed to one note and it was a like this crystal beautiful like a boy soprano pure pure beautiful sound and I then saw these beautiful shining shards of light these shards of light were coming at me from all directions beaming into my heart like a star and I felt so peaceful in that moment and I knew that it was cleansing me and purifying me and, and, and bathing me in love and at that moment then my heart was then pulled out given a beautiful polish like at the car wash to the point where it's like squeaky clean filled up to the brim with love with this light and then put back in it was stunning and then I heard this beautiful tinkling sound it was like um it's like an orchestra but it, it, it wasn't I didn't hear multiple instruments what I heard was like like wind chimes chiming tinkling but so many of them just getting an image at that point when I was bathed in this beautiful sound of like more luscious bright colour than I've ever seen in this physical world so the sound was accompanied with this stunning kaleidoscopic colour brighter and bolder than I've ever experienced in this world than I've ever seen in this world it was, it was, it was a feast for the senses it was stunning The next thing was a voice. So I, I heard this voice, and I've since found out that that, that NDEs who need that experiences who have heard or have messages from voice various voices in their NDE, the voice always comes from up to the right, especially to the right. So mine was up and to the right, and it was a male, booming, resonant very, very love-filled.
as the voice spoke to me, it was very slow and calm and measured. And each word appeared up to the right, in black, on white, really bold, large letters. And the voice was literally reverberating through my hollowness. I could feel it bouncing around my being, my consciousness. And the voice literally said, love is all there is. And then it said again, give love, give love, give love, because love is all there is. My lower leg and foot were completely crushed. Obviously, 10 tons on a bus, I had no chance of winning. The bones, the ligaments, the tissues, the nerves, it was, it was just carnage, but right off as it were. I was left with a physical disability, obviously, you know, in my lower leg and foot. It was a very difficult physical journey in that sense and emotional journey because of the trauma but interestingly I really feel like the NDE was a lovely counterpoint and it really sort of counterbalanced the horror of the trauma which is you know I really feel like in many ways it saved my life really feel like that the NDE is now my guide the Burgundy book the name of my podcast, which is coming out in February of next year, is my guide. I talk to the Burgundy book every day. I write to the Burgundy book every day. And I feel like that is essentially my religion. If I need any help or guidance, that's where I get it from. It keeps me aligned. I feel like I have this sort of periscope at the top of my head that's always seeking alignment. And when it's out of balance, I can always tell. And I know very quickly how to bring that back by talking to the Burgundy book, by breathing into that heart space, that love. If I get quiet enough and calm enough, I'll find the answer, I'll find where I need to be. I'm a human, so it does get clouded over by stuff, but the difference is that I'm never far from it. If it gets sort of clouded over by life and other things, it doesn't take me that long to get back into that space. I always know that coming back to my heart space, which is where the love is, is where I'm gonna refine that love to be able to function in a more authentic and love-filled way. That message that I felt in the NDE, give a love, also applies to me. So I didn't come back and sort of go, oh, I've got to be even more of a martyr, (laughs) like I was before the accident. I came back and sort of realized that, that that massively includes self-love so that I can be as love-filled as I can so I can give from a more full place. That was Renu Aurora describing the sound of her near-death experience. Renu's podcast, The Burgundy Book, is coming out in February... Thanks to both Renu and Claudia for having those conversations with me. 
It made sense to use them in this first episode, maybe something to do with them both being about how we experience sound on the most personal and internal level. This has been... Sounds good, right? Thanks for listening. Please do all those things like liking and subscribing wherever you get your pods. Reviews are good too. The mystery algorithms that power these places where you get your podcasts from, they seem to really like them, so that's great. You can do that. This podcast was recorded, produced, and sound designed by me, Tom Wally, and the music comes via Epidemic Sound. Thanks a lot to them. Yo, T-Bone, did you produce this? Sounds good, right?